It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and of course, a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash on today to get 10% off your first month. Well, folks, tons of great herd mentality items to get into today. The first segment's going to cover a bunch of questions about Osiris Torrance, and I love that. You guys filled up the questions with questions about a guard, and that warms my heart. So we'll start with those because that was the theme of the questions this week and then a bunch of other fun stuff to get into later on. So let's get started. First one here comes from Tyler. Tyler says, I've been thinking about the Osiris Torrance pick. You know what? Me too, Tyler. So as as I've heard you and from others he is a guard-only prospect and is going to be a specific uh, to right guard where Ryan Bates is. What if Buffalo is giving Ryan Bates the opportunity to make more money by learning behind Mitch Morse and eventually replacing him? Would Ryan Bates be a good fit for Buffalo at center when Morse moves on? The simple answer there is yes. There is definitely a path for that to be the case. Mitch Morse under contract for a couple more seasons, but... I don't think anybody thinks about Mitch Morse as a guy that's really going to play four, five more seasons, right? He might play out his contract and that be it. And if that's the case, the Bills will have a hole at center, but you can get ahead of that, right? With Ryan Bates, who uh, has position flexibility, who translates very well to being a center. I love his athleticism for the position. You love that he's cross-trained at all five spots. You know, we talk about the center is the leader of the offensive line and the guy that makes all the calls. And, of course, Ryan Bates and his familiarity at every spot will be only be an asset uh, to him and, and to the Bills for him to be the center. And I think most importantly is that he's got a great relationship with Josh Allen. You know, you could tell that the way that uh, he talks about Josh, the way that Josh talks about him, that there's a good relationship. And I think that's so critical for any offense is to make sure that your center and your quarterback see things similarly, that they can be on the same page and that they have great rapport. You get a sense that that's true for Ryan Bates uh, as it relates to Josh Allen. So we could see Ryan Bates uh, potentially platoon with Osiris Torrance at right guard, maybe be a hedge at right tackle, but maybe the long-term play here is for him to succeed Mitch Morse at center. And maybe that's three years from now, but um, if that's the case, it'd be nice to know that you have Ryan Bates uh, ready to go to take over for Morse because I think center is a really critical position when it comes to any offense. I think you want to have your tackles and your center figured out. And uh, if you go from a couple more years of Mitch Morse into Ryan Bates, I think you got a nice plan there. Next one here comes from Lewis. And Lewis says, I heard you compare Knox to Kincaid. 
Can you compare Osiris Torrance to Cody Ford as prospects? Although I'm thrilled that Bean decided to invest a premium pick to protect Allen, I have to be skeptical if he can pan out or not because Bean tried and failed with another second-round lineman and Cody Ford. How do they differ? Good question here. I think they've got similar body types in a, in a sense, right? They're big physical offensive linemen that aren't necessarily the most fleet of foot. They're both 330 pounds, but Osiris Torrance does have two inches on Cody Ford. And so I think the body density there kind of spreading out that 330 pounds with two more inches really kind of helps him carry that a little bit better. Um, Torrance isn't going to play his career or spend any part of his career playing tackle like Cody Ford did, right? He came in, played right tackle before eventually getting to guard. And I think the Bills really kind of botched his development by not allowing him to grow at any one position. And so I think uh, Osiris Torrance isn't going to be a a factor at tackle at all. And so that will help him um, develop unlike it was the case for Cody Ford. I think Osiris Torrance proving what he did last year in the SEC against the best competition uh, in college football. We talk about the SEC is the closest thing to the NFL. I think that's going to be a major uh, comfort zone that at least I find compared to Cody Ford, who's coming out of the Big 12, right? I know the Big 12 is a power conference or a power five conference, but their linemen, they're not like the SEC. And so I think there's a higher level of comfort that I have with the translatability of why he was successful in college to the next level. And then, you know, I think one of the big factors with Cody Ford that we might not um, give enough credit to is just some of the mindset issues that maybe he had, right? Some personal struggles that he had early in his career that got in the way of football, obviously some injuries early on. And, um, you know, that, that can impact the player. I talked to some guys that trained with Cody Ford and they said that they had some concerns about just, you know, his makeup and, and how driven he is to be the best player he possibly can. And so, you know, I don't know that those things are true for Osiris Torrance. So if you want to feel better about Osiris Torrance and uh, then Cody Ford, those are the things that I would point to. But also, look, just because they're second round offensive linemen picked by the Bills, there, there's nothing there's nothing to that. There's I mean, these are unique individual human beings, right, that are completely different. And, and you know, I, I, they're second round picks by the Bills. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that Osiris Torrance have to, has to pay for the sins of Cody Ford. I don't think that's a good way to look at it. So. Uh, that's that's what I would say there, uh, contrasting those two players. Uh, this is the Twitter handle, no ninja skills, uh, which, hey, be, be nice to yourself, right? Maybe you do have some ninja skills, but uh, no ninja skills says, so setting up my question, we hear about D-line rotations, personnel groupings to create matchup problems, et cetera, but I've also heard you refer to the rhythm of a steady O-line and having the same guys week in and week out. So I'm curious with Torrance, are the Bills looking for a new direction or perhaps will there be rotational slash situational personnel used on the offensive line the way the Bills intend to use Kincaid to create matchup problems? Might we see Torrance used the same way except obviously at guard? Well, here's what I'd say to that. The Bills have shown a willingness under Sean McDermott to rotate players at positions that aren't typically positions that you rotate at, including the offensive line. When we saw uh, during Cody Ford's rookie season, he platooned with Ty Secchi at right tackle. We saw Levi Wallace platoon with Kevin Johnson at cornerback, and you don't typically platoon cornerbacks. You've seen Ramon Humber 
platoon with Matt Milano. Again, you don't typically see a platoon at linebacker. And even last year, you saw this, I, I guess it was a platoon at corner where it was Kyer Elam, Xavier Rhodes, Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. You know, they would they would mix guys in and out. And so I do not put it past the Bills to rotate Osiris Torrance into the lineup. Um, and, and maybe there's certain games where it might be run heavy, uh, where they want to lean into his skill set at right guard. I'm not a big fan of this. Um, I, I, I see the Bills will do this. It's not something that I really advocate for. I think uh, offensive line play is five guys working together as one cohesive unit, and rotating uh, gets in the way of that, in, in my opinion. It gets in the way of those objectives. And so I think that makes it hard, and I wouldn't advocate for it, but I think it's a worthwhile talking point and something that we've absolutely seen happen across Sean McDermott's tenure as a head coach of the Buffalo Bills. Next one here comes from Baz. Baz says, keen to get your thoughts on the Bills' run scheme philosophy heading into the 2023 season. Since draft day, we have heard that drafting uh, the road grader offensive guard Osiris Torrance could signal a move to a more power-based gap scheme, but this seems to be in direct contrast to the signing of offensive guard Connor McGovern. From what I know, McGovern is more of a body position wall-off run blocker suited to a movement zone blocking scheme. I know you have had concerns in the past. The Bills will have a have run a combination of schemes, but not really have mastered any of them. Baz, this is a great question because this is exactly why I was dismissive of Osiris Torrance as a prospect for the Bills. I keep going back to this. On November 30th, 2022, I mocked Osiris Torrance to the Buffalo Bills in the first round, and I thought to myself, you know what? This is exactly the guard that they need to really – uh, jumpstart this run game. I like the way he plays. I like his makeup. I think he's going to be a good fit. And then the more I thought about it and the more the Bills continued to lean into these quote-unquote zone-blocking style offensive linemen, the more I was like, you know what? I don't think I don't think he's going to be on the radar. And then here we are. The Bills drafted him in the second round. And so, yes, I think this is definitely a signal that the Bills are going to lead into more gap-blocking schemes. Uh, I think that coupled with the evolution of the run game last year where they leaned into more gap blocking schemes later in the season when the run game became more effective. Yet you have some trends here that suggest you're going to see more gap blocking schemes. And, you know, I think that there, it gets a little curious when you consider Connor McGovern, who's not really tailored well for that type of scheme. Uh, neither is Mitch Morse, right? And so you've got, you've got some mixed match personnel here. And that's kind of always been my gripe about the Bills. Uh, and whether it's their uh, prototype at offensive line combined with the type of rushing offense they want to be, it never really added up to me. You know, you don't, you can't really see that there's an identity. And so uh, we'll see how it all comes together. But I think it's a fair talking point and something to be, I guess, concerned about how they piece this all together. Um, but you definitely have a guy here in Osiris Torrance who I think is probably fine for inside zone run plays. But if you really want him to reach and cut off backside. Uh, blocks and and really get wide and work laterally, you know, that's really not going to be his forte. So um, you do have uh, another situation here where the skill sets are a little uh, mix matched and and you wonder about, all right, what, what does the, the makeup of this personnel uh, tell you should be the way that the bills run the football, right? Because there's a lot of different types of skill sets in the mix. This show is brought to you by better help. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. You sometimes never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. 
Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, try BetterHelp. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. All right, let's keep it moving here. The next one comes from Matt. Matt says, I was wondering if you had any thoughts on the 2023 draft as it relates to the upcoming opponents for this season. Are there correlations to their picks and the offenses slash defenses they'll be going up against? It's a really fun question here, Matt. And what I want to do to answer this is focus in on the division, right? The Dolphins, Patriots, and Jets. And then those other two teams in the AFC, the Chiefs and the Bengals that, you know, the Bills are competing with to be the the best team in the AFC. And when I do consider the top pick that all of those teams made, you can see maybe it has a little something to do with the Bills, especially the divisional picks. Looking at the New England Patriots, they drafted Christian Gonzalez, that corner out of Oregon, who's going to be a much better fit to go toe-to-toe with Stefan Diggs than what they've been trying to do with Jonathan Jones last season, right? Big, long corner that's athletic, that has ball skills. They also drafted Marte Mapu, the linebacker safety hybrid player out of Sacramento State. And you think about maybe they're thinking about the Bills and Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid and having that type of uh, matchup eraser, right? Like that's the type of guy that can match up and give you a good chance to go you know, toe-to-toe with those types of, of tight ends. And so you could look at the Patriots draft and certainly talk yourself into thinking there was uh, some some – the bills were on their mind when they made those picks. How about the dolphins? They didn't pick in the first round, but in the second round, they go for cam Smith, the corner out of South Carolina. And you look at the dolphins and you say, wow, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Cater Kuho looks nice in the slot. You get Nick Needham back this year. Did you really need a corner? You don't, you need offensive line. Don't you need tight end? Well, cam Smith as a option for them is potentially going to free up Jalen Ramsey to move around more and be more specific with where he matches up. And you think about, okay, well, was that potentially with Dalton Kincaid slash Dawson Knox in mind? Because you certainly didn't think about the Dolphins and them having a major need at corner, yet their top pick was a corner. How about the Jets? They go and get Will McDonald, the edge rusher out of Iowa State. In like, Was it pick 16 or something like that, 15 overall? They didn't necessarily need pass rush. They have Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers and uh, Jermaine Johnson, who they picked in the first round last year. And now this guy's added to the mix. I mean, they wanted to have a lot of depth, a lot of length, you can tell, with their edge rushing situation. You have to think Josh Allen probably in mind when it comes to that. And then the Chiefs and the Bengals both went for pass rushers. The Chiefs get Felix Anudiki Uzoma out of Kansas State with their top pick. And then the Bengals get Miles Murphy, the edge rusher from Clemson, with their top pick. So, A lot of defensive help here, whether it's defensive backs or pass rushers, potentially to help them combat what the Buffalo Bills can challenge them with, of course, with Josh Allen and the weapons he has now at his disposal. Steve says, we know Coach McDermott will run the defense this season and have heard rumors that the Bills may be a more aggressive with their scheme. I'm wondering if Sean McDermott has more confidence than we know in the existing linebackers, Dorian Williams, 
and the returning Lawson and Phillips to execute their aggressive scheme. Maybe Frazier's scheme slightly misused some of the talent or at least relied too heavily on the best safety combo in the NFL. Here's one thing I'll say about Sean McDermott and, and aggressive defenses. We have to remember who he came up under, and that's Jim Johnson, back with those early 2000s Eagles defenses. McDermott was under Jim Johnson for eight years until Jim Johnson passed away, right? And then Sean McDermott took over as the Eagles defensive coordinator. But Jim Johnson was known as one of the most aggressive defensive coordinators in the game, right? His blitz packages, his simulated pressures, the looks he would present to offenses. And that's who Sean McDermott is a disciple of. And so I think that's important for us to be mindful of as we do consider what this defense is going to look like under Sean McDermott. It's going to be different. And not only different because he's not Leslie Frazier, but because they're going to be leaning on some different personnel and different skill sets. And, you know, mostly Tremaine Edmonds at, at linebacker not being there. You know, we talked about this many times. Not having Tremaine really does challenge and, and change the way that you play defense. And that's pretty evident based on what Brandon Bean said and the skill sets that they're now leaning into, potentially with three safeties on the field sometimes with Taylor Rapp and, you know, Terrell Bernard potentially being this team starting Mike Linebacker. Um, so that's that's definitely all worth talking about. And then you mentioned in your question there, Steve, about, you know, Sean McDermott having more confidence than we know in the existing linebackers. And that's something that I came to grips with uh, a few weeks before the draft where, you know, I was all in on Jack Campbell and I, you know, I, I definitely was pounding the table for him. But then I got to this point where I was like, you know what? We cannot define success in the draft by the Bills getting Jack Campbell because everything here suggests that they are pretty comfortable with the cast of characters that already exist. And that, you know, maybe when they took Terrell Bernard at pick 89 last year, this was them being ready for this moment and it's his opportunity to take over. And so, yes, I, I absolutely acknowledge that. And I think we all should Mark with a good one here. He says, I was curious where Josh Allen rates in regards to total passing yards without including yards after catch. If you removed yards after catch from all quarterback stats, what does it look like then? Not sure uh, this is worth the time and effort, but it was a thought I had. And I don't think I've ever heard before. No, Mark, this is an easy stat to pull courtesy of uh pro football reference. They have uh, passing yards per season sorted by completed air yards, which is exactly what you're talking about. How many yards the ball was completed with no yards after catch factored in. And so this is fun to bring this up because Josh Allen last year was number one in the NFL in completed air yards with 2,691. He was ahead of number two by like well over a hundred yards, making almost 200 yards. I'm pretty sure. And keep in mind, Josh Allen only played in 16 games um, because of the Bengals game being canceled. And so Josh was seventh in total passing yards, but number one comfortably with the context of only playing 16 games and completed air yards. And that's why I keep talking about yards after catch, because I'm like, if Josh could just be league average in yards after catch, he's going to lead the league in passing every single year. He just doesn't get that benefit. Kincaid says for the tight end position, do you think we need more of a blocking tight end as the third string guy? Bring back Tyler Croft to compete with Quentin Morris, maybe. I don't think so. I, I would want more receiving ability. I'm fine with Quentin Morris as your third tight end. You know, these, these tight ends, Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid, they really exist for their pass catching pedigree. Now, I don't know how much blocking Dalton Kincaid is going to be asked 
to do for this team. And so what I want to make sure of is if either one of them goes down, that you preserve the pass catching skill set as best you can and you figure it out for the blocking. And right, the Bills can tap into utility offensive linemen. You could maybe Reggie Gilliam. Like there's pathways to get around the blocking piece. The harder piece to replicate is the receiving piece. And so I would I would want to preserve that more than anything. And so if, if Q Morris is the tight end three next year, I will have no concerns about that. All right, folks, we got a bunch more to get to here in just a moment, including a question about if the Bills are still interested in DeAndre Hopkins. We're diving into that and more right after a quick break. All right, the next one today comes from Zach, who says, what linebacker would you have drafted other than Dorian Williams in the third round this year? I agree with you that I don't love or understand the undersized linebacker picks, but generally my rule since 2019 is, and being we trust. Curious what linebacker options you would have preferred that we turned down. In the same vein, if you have thoughts on what linebacker you would have drafted over Terrell Bernard in the third round last year, that would be interesting too. So in 2023, this year, and I can I can say this with confidence because I said it before the draft a bunch of times. I only had two linebackers that I was interested in the Bills drafting in the first three rounds. Jack Campbell, Drew Sanders, end of list. I thought the drop-off was too significant in talent. And so there is nobody. I would have picked a different position before I took Dorian Williams in the third round if I were calling the shots. In 2022, instead of Terrell Bernard at 89, I would have went with Leo Chennault out of Wisconsin, who went 103 to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that would be the player that I would have picked at linebacker instead of Terrell Bernard in 2022. Kev says, given that Dalton Kincaid will be playing as more of a receiving tight end, does the learning curve for rookie tight ends factor less with him? Yes, absolutely. There's there's a number of reasons why I think Dalton Kincaid can get ahead of the, okay, it takes a long time for tight ends to figure it out in the NFL. One of them being what you're talking about and that I think Dalton Kincaid is really going to be just a slot receiver for the Bills. Um, maybe there'll be some looks where he'll be in line, but for the most part, I think the most majority of his snaps are going to be in the slot, and that simplifies things and allows him to be a contributor uh, faster, right? I I believe in that. The other thing, well, I guess I have two more things. The second thing I want to mention is Utah, right? The way that Utah used Dalton Kincaid was very much like an NFL team will use a tight end. There wasn't a limited role for him, right? He did everything. He ran routes from inline, from the slot, out wide, all three levels, routes with multiple breaks, timing. Like there's nothing that he was asked to do at Utah that won't show up and help him at the next level, right? A lot of these tight ends in college, they don't really have to do much. Get into space, roll out passes, catch the ball and turn and run, sit in the zone. Don Kincaid was running NFL routes. And so what the Bills are going to ask him to do, what he did at Utah, but then also just Dalton Kincaid himself and his receiving skill set and the route runner that he is and the body control and the hands and the ball skills, all of that, right? All of that gives me a lot of confidence that Dalton Kincaid can really come in and be a factor fairly quick. Now, I've went on record of saying that my expectation for Dalton Kincaid is that he's the number two option in this passing game uh, for the offense. I don't mean that right away, though. Now, I want to see signs of that 
happening throughout the season with it ramping up towards, you know, towards the backstretch in the playoffs. But yeah, in 2024, this is a hundred target guy for me. And that's the way it should be. Next one here comes from Paul. Paul says, do you think the bills are still interested in Deandre Hopkins? I think they've improved their weapons from last year, but I also think D hop would be a game changer for this offense. Curious as to your thoughts. I don't think the bills are going to be as in on this conversation as they were before. Now that could change. And I think what would potentially lead to a change is if the bills had an injury at receiver, if Diggs goes down, if Gabe Davis goes down and the Cardinals are having the season I expect them to have. I think the Cardinals are trending towards, you know, only a couple of wins next year. They're probably going to be picking really high in the draft. And so I don't know that this will happen now or even in the coming months, but if we get early in the season an injury, I'm sure the Bills, Brandon Bean's going to have Cardinals GM Monty Austin Ford on speed dial ready to make that deal if necessary. And so I think it has to play out a little bit. I I think with the addition of Dalton Kincaid, the Bills are probably feeling pretty good about where they're at weapon-wise and that an injury would probably be the domino necessary for the Bills to kind of get back into that DeAndre Hopkins conversation. All right, next one here comes from Scott. Scott says, for just this year, would you rather have Puna Ford or Mozzie Smith or Brian Brzee? And so you have veteran Puna Ford and then the two players that I actually graded in the first round. They both went in the first round, Mozzie Smith or Brian Brzee. And then Scott also says, also, I've been listening to you since almost day one. You seem to approach your work like an executive at a Fortune 500. Would you mind sharing what you did prior to joining the football media discourse? Yes, I would. I'll be happy to share that. So um, for this year, for just this year, I'd rather have Puna Ford. That, that's not hard for me to get to that conclusion at all. Now, I love the long-term upside of Mozzie Smith or Brian Brzee, but for this year, Puna Ford is positioned to make a bigger impact than either of those players for sure. Um, and so that's how I see that. In terms of what I did prior to this job, um, I had two major pillars of my working career prior to this. Uh, I spent nine years uh, as a retail auditor. I audited uh, managers that were ready for promotion and signed off on that. And I also went and I audited audited some stores that, you know, if they were having some issues or there's some questions, I would go there and audit them. And this was for like a a national retail outlet that I would do this for. I did that for nine years. And then after that, uh, for eight years, I was the COO of a of a management company. And so we had uh, 35 employees and we managed a bunch of communities. And so I had a big role there. I was the number two in that company. Now, all throughout that, I was freelancing doing football media, right? I was just trying to write articles or do what any, whatever any outlet would ask me to do just so that I can start networking and building a portfolio. So as like as into those jobs as I was, I always had... I wouldn't even say a toe in the water. I had a pretty good amount of me in the water trying to get a spot in this space. And so I feel very, very fortunate to be able to, to have done that. Um, and so it was nice when I didn't have to do other jobs anymore and I can just focus on football. Um, took, you know, took a risk for sure when I did that, but 
It's uh, been very, very rewarding. I'm glad I did it. I uh, Those were some hard years for sure of just working all the time, um, trying to do both. But, you know, I've been very fortunate to get to do this full time and hope to be able to do it full time for a long, long time because I'm not interested. In, I'm not interested in going back to work, you know, so love doing this and, and love the support that I get here on the podcast. All right, folks, that's it for today here on the show. Thank you so much for all the outstanding submissions that we got to here today on the podcast. We're talking Buffalo Bills football again for you tomorrow. So don't miss it. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.